the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1800270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the sessions. How's everybody doing today? What is going on in your lives? I hope everybody is doing great. Staying caffeinated, hydrated, getting in plenty of meals. That's all I'm really thinking about these days is when is my next meal? How can I stay on top of things? Drinking too much coffee. I have fully entered the drinking too much coffee mode. And every day, every day when I go to bed, I'm like, drink more water tomorrow. But instead of that, I just chug more coffee. And let me tell you, it's turning into a bit of a doozy. I've been getting these really bad headaches. Is that from the caffeine? Quite possibly. I feel like I just did a little WebMD self-diagnosis. Oof. More water, more water. Water's the answer. Feeling fat? Drink some water. Feeling tired? Drink some water. I feel like it's really the answer to everything. So that's uh, that's my goal. Anyways, that's an update on me. Today on this episode, Dylan Postel's on the show. You guys, of course, know him as Hornswoggle. Through his time in WWE, two weeks shy of 10 years, a decade with WWE this man has had. Great catch up. I've not seen Dylan in quite some time. It, it was so crazy to me to talk to him and be like, dude, it's 2016? that he got released like that feels like an absolute lifetime ago. How crazy. One thing we didn't get to talk about in this interview, though, it's funny, we talked about it as soon as the mics went off, of course, duh, was when I had to kick Dylan square in the dick. I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to not hit him in the dick. Uh, But when we were doing the JBL and Renee show and he played the bear that Daniel Bryan and Bryan Danielson was, was looking to wrestle, and I... It was like this scene. I remember we were in Atlanta, Dylan, as the bear is running toward me and I'm like ready to embrace him and give him a big bear hug. But instead, I kick him right in the nads. And I did so. I had never thrown a working dick kick before in my life. And I said that to him. We talked about this afterwards. I was like, dude, I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm aiming. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional wrestler. Please, somebody show me. And I guess maybe we just didn't have time for that. Or maybe I just screwed up the spot. I don't know. Anyways, I kicked sweet Dylan 
straighten the ween, um, which you guys can find on YouTube. It's somewhere. Maybe I'll post it on my, I'm going to post it on my Instagram along with the video for this. I'll, I'll do it as part of like the social clips, you guys, uh, just a friendly reminder. <laughs> uh, anyways, we talked a ton of wrestling in this episode, maybe more than we normally do, but just talking about like the moments that he's been able to have from like shit that goes on under the ring. I mean, that dude has spent a ton of time under the ring to his time working with Vince as Vince's illegitimate child to WLC. Man, guys, go back and watch WLC. It was truly amazing. El Torito versus Hornswoggle. Those two got to put on a hell of a show. It was on the kickoff show for TLC and it was awesome. Like they really got in some really great stuff. And anyways, we have a whole conversation about it in here, so I don't need to inundate you with the information here. Anyways, Dylan fucking rules. Buy his book. Listen to his book. Because I want to do a whole other episode with him based on all the nuggets that are in his book. Life is short and so am I. What a beautiful title. There's many more layers to this Dylan Postle onion that I would love to get into. Also, his relationship with Brian Myers. What a beautiful thing. Anyways, I've been rambling for way too long. Let's get into it. Here's Dylan Postle. You guys know him as Hornswoggle. Here we go. What's going on? You know, just living life. This is my life. Packing. I literally unpacked from vacation to now have to repack to leave in two days. Landon is in the living room making his creative character on WWE because he's 12 years old going on 18 and is just a teenager. So, yeah. How was your holiday? What did you guys do? We went down to visit my parents in Sarasota. He uh, he had spring break. They rent out a place down there for a few months every year. And I was like, hey, let's go visit him. And it was awesome. It was the first time we actually, like him and I actually had like a relaxing vacation. Every year we do Disney. Which is not relaxing. No, but it's fun for both of us. Like I am still such a fanatic and I kind of like bring him along for the ride. And <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where... I, I love it. And it's just turned into a tradition. So this year, like spring break, we went down to see my parents and we did like a fishing charter and because he's all into that and we did an airboat ride and it was so much fun. Like it was, we, we left and he is so close to my parents that like he's missed them because they've been gone for three and a half months. So being able to spend five days with them, it was awesome for him. That's so nice. What kind did you guys catch some fish when you were out there? We caught mackerel. He got the biggest snook. I don't know what a snook is, but it's like, it's their usual fish, I guess. So then he won the $20 from the bet we made because, you know, we can't do anything without making bets at 12 years old. Okay. So you just got back from vacation. Where are you packing to go to? What do you have coming up? WrestleCon is next week. What else are you doing that week? Are you doing like any other shows or is that like a kayfabe? I'm doing signings every day. We have the major wrestling figure podcast live 12, which... Those guys, Mark and Brian and Matt too, they have like rejuvenated my career and I owe them a lot. They've really helped me out and uh, made me cool again because I got fired and then I was like on this like hot indie thing for a bit. And then a bunch of other people got fired and I was like, oh, bottom of the line for the little guy. I'm not the only guy that's fired anymore. Yeah, I'm not the fired guy anymore. There's all these other people doing conventions and working their own merch table and selling shirts. Crap. So then uh, they started their podcast and made me cool again. 
And like, it's just, it's so much fun. And uh, I have that. And I have uh, a couple of wrestling shows that I'm doing. And then I get back from that. And at the end of, or end of May, uh, my company, ACW Wisconsin, we have our huge show. I say it all the time. Like, I love being busy. And I love the couple nights a week off, quote unquote, that I can just have a movie night with Landon or do this or do absolutely nothing, which as you know, as a parent doing nothing. I dream about it. Literally looking out the window for an hour. <laughs> yes. Isn't it the most fun thing? I want to swipe down on my phone and hit the do not disturb button. And I want to like sit outside in my yard. I want everyone to shut up. When you forget your phone at home, doesn't it at first when you leave, it's like, oh no, what am I going to do? But then 15 minutes after that, it's like, this is the coolest thing ever. I can live. Let's talk about your relationship with Brian Myers, with Matt Cardona, like with those guys, because you guys do have a really cool relationship and you always have from the time that I've known all of you guys, you guys have been thick as thieves. Where does your relationship kind of start? I'm very close with both of them, especially Brian, Brian and Kofi, my two best friends in wrestling. Like they wrote the forward to my book. They I, I stood up in Brian's wedding. It's that kind of thing where them two are just best friends and they always will be Matt and Brian and I kind of instantly connected over wrestling figures and over being fans of wrestling. When they got called up from deep South or I think it was deep South at the time, punk and I were riding together. You and punk used to ride together. Yep. At one point we had a van of me, punk, Domino, Armando, Festus, Major one, Hawkins and major two rider. We would get a huge van and just stuff as many guys into it as we could. And then like, what a shit show. Yeah, it was a traveling <laughs> circus, but it was the best. So every time we would go to like a Walmart or something, Hawkins and Ryder, I would see them going to, towards the toys. And I was like, why are they going there? I need to go there too. And so we would, that was our thing. We just instantly connected and I would bring a DVD player on the road with me, um, a portable DVD player and bring independent matches or old WWE DVDs. And like, but I had to hide it on the bus on the tour because otherwise I was the mark of the tour. Everyone's a mark. First of all, they're all mar we're everyone's a mark. In 2007, 2008, getting hated because you liked wrestling was, it was, it was so dumb. Like looking at it, so stupid, but we'd be in the back of the bus just, Oh, that was really cool. Shh, shh. Like, but it's so stupid, but we loved it. That's what we did. Like you said, as, as long as I've known them, I, I we've always been very, very close. And it's, it's a, it's a relationship I hold very, very close to me. When you know that people have that genuine connection and like, I can see that you guys are obviously very good friends, but to see like, you know, as everyone's moved on and gone in their separate directions and done things that you guys still at the core are buddies that work together and still do things and support each other. I was texting Brian this morning about what to pack for WrestleCon and uh, about him going to Disney for the first time, because I'm a, like, I'm a fanatic. And finally he went and I was like, I was bugging him every day. Like, Hey, what did you do today? Hey, did you have fun? He's never been before. No. And he's hated on Disney so much. How's that possible? How is he friends with you guys? And he has not been. Brian is the mother of the two. <laughs> like, okay. I feel like Zach is the child to me and Brian, 
And also I feel like I'm the child because of my sleepy behavior at times. Um, <laughs> sleepy behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so, but always Brian's always the mother. Like he's always the caretaker and the real adult to me and Matt, but he's like really grown up. He's all about sports and baseball. The Mets. Yeah, we get it. You you know every pitcher from the 1967 <laughs> New York Mets, Brian. I don't care. Like, I want to look at Pinocchio and ride Splash Mountain. That's adulting to me. So he finally went with his beautiful girls, and he loved it. He loved it, and it, was, it made me smile. So I was like, I told him he'd have fun. Okay, what is it like for you? You were talking about how you love to be busy. What are you like when you're not busy? I love just laughing with my kid. It's the best. I love when he gets his homework done and he gets his stuff done at school and he's done playing for the day. We eat dinner and he goes, hey, you want to play games tonight? You want to do game night? And we try to do it once a week where we just play board games or we'll play like Mario Party together. That's what I love, man. I him and I's bond, single dad. His mom is absolutely amazing, but single dad life, just him and me in the house is the coolest. I feel like you are that like picture perfect dad situation. Like you love being a dad. I feel like that is something that you put in the forefront of who you are. And you became a dad pretty young. I became a dad during the busiest time of my career, during the DX stuff. Like, here we go. We're off and running. I found out I was a dad. I was on an overseas tour. And I remember the show so ended. How I said, All did right, you I'm going to call home before we drive on to the next town. Life I checked my then. Facebook and my best friend messaged me. Hey, you might want to call Kim, uh, Landon's mom, right away. Call her up. She goes, hey, are you, are you good? Uh, have you been sleeping? quote unquote. And I said, no, I'm good. She goes, you're going to be a dad. And I go, nope. And I hang up. I instantly leave the production office. I find fit and I go, oh my God. He goes, what? I go, I'm going to be a dad. Fit was the first person you told. He's my road dad. And he like drops to a knee and he hugs me. And like, he's, he's, his eyes are welling up. And I go, why are you crying? And he goes, this is the greatest thing ever. And I go, no, it's not. I just hung up on her. Like any father, he goes, you get back in that office. You call her right now. And I said, I don't want to. He goes, you do it. But immediately when Landon was born, the minute he was born, it's like everything paused for 30 seconds. It was this weird feeling. Everything paused for 30 seconds. And like everything I've done that's kind of questionable in the past just sleepy things, just naps, sleepy things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And dumb decisions I've made as a kid. I literally was like, okay, I can't do those anymore. And then it was time to be a dad during her pregnancy, finding out, is he going to be a little person? No, that's awesome. And it would, if he would have been a midget and I can use that word and Renee, you can too. Don't get me in trouble. No, you're fine. <laughs> Dinklage ain't going to get you. Just me. Oh, we will be talking about Dinklage. We'll circle <laughs> back to that. Fuck Peter Dinklage. <laughs> there. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> We've got Dinklage um, heat. But 
I know the health stuff I went through and I continue to go through in life. And I didn't want him to have to deal with that. I mean, the, the mailman must've been like a basketball player or something. Cause he's five foot a lot and eats 17 meals a day. He's just, he's just the best. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports? Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. So my producer, Emilio, just buzzed me and he's like, we have to explain the sleepy things because we keep referencing being sleepy. I don't like admitting that I like to have vodka at times. (laughs) I I enjoy it a Tito's and water. I enjoy a white claw here and there. I, I, at times don't like to use the word drunk because it gets reported that Dylan Postel loves to get drunk. And I just say, no, I just like to get sleepy. I just, I'm, I just, I'm overserved. I have been there. I have seen it and it is something to behold. I remember you were very new to the road ish. And me, you, Bradshaw, and Cole. I was thinking about this last night. There was a TV hotel night, right? I want to say we were somewhere in Ohio, but maybe not. I mean, I do remember the night because I remember the bar. I remember us going there. I remember like everyone kind of being carted back to the TV hotel because we were at like a bar that was in like a strip mall, like not far from the TV hotel. Cole and Bradshaw and you were like the three amigos for the longest time. And... When I got to join for like a couple nights, I was like, oh, this is the best. I wasn't booked today. I just sat in catering all day. This is going to make it fun. That was really early on to me being on the road because, yeah, Cole and Bradshaw were like my guys. I rode with them. I didn't really know anybody else very well. So how did you guys develop that so quickly? I honestly don't really know. It was one of those weird situations where like it's so funny to think of like, God, I rode with Cole and JBL. How'd that happen? How did that go? But we were all buddies. And I learned so quickly about the wrestling business from them because I didn't come from indie wrestling. I, I came from like doing TV in Canada. I didn't really know what I was getting into. So that was really like that like sped up version of like, all right, kid, this is how the road works. So a night like that would have been a prime example of this is how things go sometimes and buckle up. So JBL. You always hear like the bully things and that my first WrestleMania, he single-handedly saved my career. I'm pretty sure I got drunk. There was a TJ Friday that shared a parking lot with the WrestleMania hotel and me and hurricane and a bunch of us, we were tying one on. We got to WrestleMania a day early. We get back to the hotel and JBL and Bruce's limo pull up and he goes, Hornswoggle, have you been drinking? I look him dead in the eye. No, sir. I obviously was. He put me on a luggage cart and pushed me up to my room that day. I later find out from Bruce Pritchard, Vince's limo pulled up just after their limo as I would have been on my way up. 
I always so I say I can't I can't hate on him that much because he he uh, he saved me that day. One hundred percent. I I mean JBL has he's always been really great to me uh, throughout my career as well. I've I had a really great really I still do have a great relationship with John. Um, what about your relationship with Vince? I mean, you guys got to work together so much for a period of time. What was your relationship like with him, working with him that closely? So I did the I had the the Vince's son storyline, and it was man, I uh, the the biggest thing ever. I the fifteenth anniversary episode of Raw. I had the opening segment. I had two or three other segments during the show, including a pose down with Hulk Hogan, and then. The closing shot was me pouring beer on Vince during a Stone Cold beer bash, like a midget from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This shouldn't happen. Like it was the craziest story ever. And like every week, twice a week, working with him, two TVs a week. Insane. I always regret like not asking him random things because he would have like, instead of him being on his Blackberry, be like, hey, tell me about Sid. Or hey, what really happened with you and Nails? Give me the scoop or like just random things. Hey, how was Mr. T the first time? Just stuff like from when I was a fan that I always wanted to know that he definitely would have answered and talked to me about because he's just open and he doesn't care and likes to be taken away from his business quite a bit. But he was awesome. He's the ultimate perfectionist. I always say that too. Like he will reshoot and reshoot and reshoot and reshoot until it's exactly how he wants. But when he gets it, He's happy. Yeah, those are when those moments are happening and you're like, oh, my gosh, we're redoing this. I've had moments when like I remember we were doing some there was a storyline where Vince was being carted off to like the precinct in Brooklyn and I had to shoot something outside the precinct and we were like doing it live. And like, I was like being like a real reporter. And I was like, I'm not actually a reporter. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I was so nervous because Vince had to like walk by I me. Mean, it was like a really wordy, very like highbrow journalism thing. And I was like, holy fuck, I don't talk like this. Oh my God, I'm going to like, I'm going to stumble some words. I'm going to say something wrong. But that was one of those moments that I was like so worried that I was going to drop the ball. Thank God I did not. But it can, yeah, when he's in one of those moments, one of those moods, when you you know, he wants things to be absolutely perfect. He's got it in his head the way that it needs to be. It can be like, please don't let me be the one to screw up the shot. Oh, my God. My debut in 2006, we rehearsed me coming from the under the ring for the first time. For the first time, we did rehearsals, rehearsals, rehearsals. There was going to be a light, a green light under the ring. Fit was going to open the open the thing up and I was supposed to scroll, come out. There was no light. And so I didn't come out. God damn it. Where's the little guy? There's no light. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Next time, there's a light. There's no apron. So I don't come up. Four or five times, every time went a little wrong. Third time, I go come out from under. I hit my head on the ring. It's just one thing after another. I was like, this is going to be my first and last day. <laughs> it was not. You worked you know, quite they a while. Told me, like, I was told it was going to be a six-month run. And it was two weeks under 10 years, which is insane to me. So crazy. Okay, let's take it back to four years. It was four years old that you fell in love with professional wrestling, right? This goes back to uh, wrestling figures. I realized this the other night. I wouldn't be a professional wrestler if it weren't for wrestling figures. Because the Hasbro wrestling figures, the WWF Hasbros, my brother, my late brother had them. So those figures came out and I like steal them from him to play with them. And I was like, yep, I'm hooked. That's going to be me. 
Okay, so how do you go from falling in love with wrestling to becoming a professional wrestler? And I'm sure there were many obstacles that got in your way from point A to point B. How'd you do this? I had spine surgery when I was six. Um, Most little people have to have it because of scoliosis and especially the dwarfism I have. Uh, It's very, very common. The first one paralyzed me for six months. Uh, The doctor tried to like, he's never done surgery on a little person. And he tried to put a rod in my back and he hit a nerve and just knocked everything out of loop. And nowadays I would be sitting in three mansions uh, on the beach in Florida. But back then we just, my parents just wanted me to get better. They just wanted me to get fixed. So then I had another one. And the first thing the doctor says is no contact sports and no trampolines. I didn't listen, obviously. So that at like 12 and 13, it was during the attitude era and everyone was backyard wrestling. Kids were backyard wrestling. It was the cool thing to do. So we started doing that and we had, we built a ring and this and that, and that's that was our thing. And then I got trained. Um, Mr. Kennedy, Ken Anderson, he was a big part of my training. I got trained by him at 17. He got hired by WWE in 2005, I believe. In 2006, they were looking for a midget for Finley. And he put his name out there for me and was off to the races. So it's always been wrestling for you, but you've also dabbled in film. You've done some other movies. You got to be a part of some uh, a Muppets movie. You got to be a part of one of the Leprechaun movies, which kind of leads me into the the Peter Dinklage heat that's happening here. Because I want to talk. Oh, you mean fuck Peter Dinklage? Is that was that what you mean? Is that what you, you wanted to say? <laughs> you wanted to say. That's in and around what I was circling, but yes. Um, so w- like, let's talk about some of the stereotypes that you have gone through and in terms of like what, to kind of counter what he was saying. So just to catch everybody up to speed that doesn't know, Peter Dinklage was very upset that Disney was trying to cast little people as the seven dwarfs and you can take it from there. If I wasn't born a little person, I wouldn't have become a professional wrestler. Simple. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have had the career I had. If Elf wouldn't have been casting an angry little person, Peter Dinklage wouldn't be the star he is. He took that role, that check cashed just fine. Every role that he's done, for the most part, has been little people roles. Have there been a few that haven't been? Sure. 95% have been. All those checks cashed just fine. What pissed me off is he said he was like trying to be progressive. And you're not because that would have been seven dream jobs for little people. Little people don't get roles made for them very often, especially major film roles. Disney doesn't do things on a small scale, especially the readaptations, the culture and the society we live in now. It is what it is. One red flag is waved and everything stops. And that's unfortunate. And for it to not be a bigger conversation, like I, I mean, who knows what he thinks about it now? It could have been a thing that, you know, he said in that situation and then maybe having a conversation with other people could have been like, oh, you know what? You're right. Maybe let's rehash this. Do you know what's going on with the Disney movie now? I've heard they're still doing it. I've heard they're not. I've heard it's CGI. I've heard everything. Disney, call me, babe. 
what is your dream job? What, I mean, aside from you being able to have already accomplished your dream job within WWE, but you're a huge Muppets fan. You got to be in, in one of those franchise movies. Like how cool that you've been able, you've been able to check off some like real bucket list shit, dude. Probably the only bucket list thing I would have done, like I would have made when I was growing up would have been WWE. I have like random things I want to do in life. Being in a Muppets movie wasn't on it. Having my name on a movie poster as the starring role in Leprechaun Origins wasn't on it. Making a book wasn't on it. All that stuff, like I got to check it off a bucket list while adding it to the bucket list. It's a really weird thing. Um, I would love to do more acting because my body would tell me, hey, that's really a lot better for you. And I'm sure everyone around me would like me to do that more. So I would love to do that. I, I really would like to start to move into that realm. It's a very small realm. I, you know, for, for it's, it's a, the roles are few and far between, but I would love it. I, I, I would absolutely love it. I did stand up. I did a, a couple stand up things. How was that? It's the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. That's like some butthole clenching shit. I can't blame someone else for fucking up, but it's fun. It's, it's again, a bucket list thing. And that was our, our buddy, Nick, our, our, our oh, friend, yeah. Nick he, man. he loves to make us jump in on those shows. He does. But I go to him for pointers for stuff like that. And he tells me nine times out of 10, quit being stupid. You're going to do great. And it's, that's what I need. I mean, he lives and breathes stand-up comedy. I mean, that is his thing that I feel like he's probably constantly thinking about it and always working on things. And I mean, I've seen him. Are you doing, are you jumping on his DZ and friends show that he's doing in Dallas? I can't because I have the major pod. Oh man. That is really cool though. But doing stand-up is very, um, it's very, very scary. Didn't you do one of the shows with us? I did. No, I did. I did. I did Caroline's. I feel like I've done two of these shows with him. They're, it's always fun. It's such like a fun crowd and it's fun to like hear people like when you're so used to knowing someone as like the character on television, whatever, then you like hear some of like their deep, dark thoughts. It's like, wow. He did a show like 20 minutes from my house. And so I, I opened for him. And I had no idea my parents came. As I'm walking up, I see my parents and I go, oh, my God, I got dick jokes. Oh, no. And I go, oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> so literally after I get off the stage, my mom comes up to me. She goes, you did great. Not grandma approved for sure. No. <laughs> but it was awesome. Well, when you're not like a seasoned stand-up comedian, you're like, well, I can't rewrite my set right now. This is what we're doing. I'm married to these five minutes. We have that's yeah, that's very, very stressful. Fight fans, take your best shot with a $150 bonus insight credit guaranteed from FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $150 bonus in site credit on your first bet of $5 or more from March 13th to April 4th. Just sign up with the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get in on this. You don't want to miss it. You can choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. 
And with cash out, the ball's in your court so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the fight is over. So get your $150 bonus in site credit guaranteed. Just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, taking things back to WWE for a second, you're talking about your time being under the ring and, uh, you know, getting ready to come out, have that moment with Fit. You've had a lot of moments under the ring. What's the weirdest shit you've seen under the ring? I fell asleep under the ring. This was completely real sleepiness. It was an overseas tour, which again, still real sleepiness. This is where it's mind-blowing to me. I had to go under before the show. So now I would have been under like two and a half hours because Fit was in the main event that night. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fit was in the main event. And so it was Big Daddy V, Kali, and Finley on one side against Batista, Undertaker, and Kane on the other side. So not small men. Mm -mm. The whole show happened. Match is going. My spot is ready. The thing is, Undertaker takes a bump. Boom. Finley is going to come out of the ring and get the little guy out. Throw me in. Undertaker is going to sit up to meet the little guy in the middle of the ring. Happened all tour without a hitch. Great. That night, it did not. That night, little Dill was sleepy and real tired from the tour. Fit lifts the curtain and just sees me face down. And he's yelling, hey, hey. He thought one of the beams hit me and knocked me out. So I look up. just dreary so what's up are you coming i go oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit because now it hits me i have to meet the undertaker in the middle of the ring who's probably been waiting for me i get out and i go i'm so sorry i'm so sorry he throws me in and now i realize again the undertaker's there and he's going to sit up and meet me face to face essentially i get in and i'm in the middle of the ring in the middle of the match i'm just in the middle going i'm sorry i'm so sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) and He meets me. We do the thing. I get to the back and I am shaking and everyone's laughing. Fit goes, what happened? I said, I fell asleep. He goes, you what? I go, I fell asleep. First time for everything. Undertaker comes back, shakes his head. And I go, well, I'm fucked. I walk up to him. I said, I am so sorry. I, 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 he goes, what happened? I go, I fell asleep. He goes, you what? I go, I, I fell asleep, sir. I, I, I literally fell asleep under the ring. He goes, something I never thought I'd hear. I had the runners get a nice bottle of whiskey for the bus ride as, a, as an apology gift. And that was it. Another wrestling thing really quickly, because I was like really like brushing up on my swoggle moments last night, which of course brought me to WLC, which was a thing of beauty. So I have it hanging 
behind me, part of the table. And I always say like, in my career, that's the best thing I'll ever do. Like I'll never top that ever in my life. I can't say it is because I have to say it's having my son. I think it's so special to me because it wasn't supposed to be. It was put out there like a joke match. It was put out there like, Hey, this is going to be two midgets. One being a midget bull with little ladders and tables and chairs. It's going to be funny. And it was in New Jersey, which should have booed us because it's like one of the, it's one of the biggest heel places in the country. They boo everything. It was on a pre-show of a pay-per-view, not on the regular show. It was just all signs pointed to this is going to suck. And we killed it. You guys really got to like get some stuff in from like head scissors, hurricane ranas to like, you had like an amazing power bomb. Like you guys really got to work that night. And like having everyone with us too, Drew and Heath and Jinder on my side and the Matadors on the other side. Drew took that crazy table bump, like a solo table bump. For no reason, Drew running off the ropes and doing a flip to the outside through a table before the match. He goes, I think I'm going to flip through a table. And we all kind of stop and go, how? Like, he goes, well, let's just set one up. I'll flip through the off out of the ring onto it. I said, on to no one. He goes, Yeah. Okay. And he did it for no reason. What was the conversation when you got to the back? Because I remember, like, I was obviously, I was there when that match happened. And it was like, really that moment of like, I, I must, I must, I, I would have been hosting the kickoff show for that. So we would have thrown to the match. But I remember like watching it through the monitors being like, holy shit, like this is done so well. What happened when you went back through Gorilla after that? It was my first standing ovation. I've never got one. I got like the good shit kind of thing, but it was my first standing ovation in, in Gorilla. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I didn't change out of my gear until the main event happened. And like Torito was leaving the building. He goes, you're not going to change? I said, no, man. He goes, you okay? I said, I'm even better than you think. And it was just like, it was one of those nights where I knew it was awesome. And it was almost like I got to the back and I could say kind of fuck you to everyone because they never thought I could wrestle. No one did. They talked about Torito and I having a match. And so, but they wanted to see, they being WWE, like the officials, wanted to see me wrestle. And it was a locker room sellout because people wanted, I say it, people wanted to see me fail. The locker room wanted to see me fail, which is so fucked up. Everyone's around the ring. It was before the show at SmackDown and they wanted Torito and I just to wrestle around and see if I could keep up with them and just to see what I could do. Everyone was around the ring. And I remember looking at one of the corners of the barricade and Kofi and Dolph were at one of the corners of the barricade sitting back, just arms crossed, not with the group. And they both kind of give me a nod and we do it. And I say it, I'm patting myself on the back, but I, I, hung with them and I showed all those motherfuckers I could do it and I proved them wrong. Hey, I'm not just a guy that bites on the ass. I can wrestle. I get out and Kofi and Dolph are right there and they both kind of, they go, you proved them wrong. Uh, it feels really good. Well, to take you from a very high note, because it really was great and people that are listening, if you have not watched WLC, go watch it. It's really, really great. Um, Let's get into your release. What happened? It was a mass firing that they do. This was in 2016. It was two weeks before 10 years for me. They told me it was going to be six months and I lasted 10 years. Like, I can't be mad. The first person I called was Hawkins. Legitimately. I said, uh, hey, I got the call because he was released at the time. 
I said, Hey, I got that. I was sitting on my living room floor crying. It wasn't like a, I lost my dream job. It was a, holy shit. I have a son. What am I going to do? He goes, get yourself up off the ground, open a pro wrestling tea store. You're going to be okay. He goes, let me call you back in an hour or so. Hawkins called me right then. He goes, Hey, got you 13 days. It was like 20 minutes later. Again, we go back to how close and special our friendship is. He got me 13 dates in 20 minutes immediately, but it didn't hit me as a rejuvenation until a while after I couldn't rest on former WWE superstar. The chapter is going to close at one point or another for everybody. There's always that time. It's like time to move on to the next thing. What's that going to be? Where am I going to fucking land? And it can be that scramble moment of like, holy shit, I was making X amount of money. How am I going to get back to making that to like being busy to like all those things that you like instantly start like circling through uh, your brain, but to see people land and to be doing shit that makes them really happy and you just move forward. If I want to be home, I can be home. If I want to be gone, I can hopefully be gone. I'm my own boss. I can make my own fucking t-shirts with stupid shit on them. Half naked portraits of myself. Like, Wait, why don't I have one of those shirts? It's coming your way. <laughs> uh, but literally, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like, this is fun. And I, I run my own company. I started that when I was off the road from WWE when creative had nothing for me, so to speak. And I got bored. I was like, hey. I'm going to start running shows here. Great. And now I focus on that and I open a training school because I was bored with WWE. So I started that. And it's like, again, I, I love being busy as much as it's, man, it wears me out. And every couple months I'll text a couple of my buddies and I'll go, it's uh, I'm, I'm getting to that point where the, the, the wear out, but something like kicks in, like I'll have a really, really fun night on Twitch, which is amazing. Or I'll have an awesome show for ACW, my company. It doesn't take much for rejuvenation. It's funny when that happens because I've had moments like that too when you feel you're just like, oh my God, I've burned the candle on both ends. I'm fucking exhausted. But then something else comes that you're like, oh wait, no, I have more energy again. I'm good. I'm like ready to find the new thing. All of a sudden you have more energy for yet another thing on your plate when you were burnt out from everything you had before, which makes zero sense. Which is why you had time to write a book, right? Yeah. Which is such a great title, by the way. Life is short and so am I. What a great title. So I was approached after I got released to write a book. And three years later, we, we produced it. We talked about the bucket list thing. And we talked about marking things off a bucket list that weren't there. I know I have a good story to tell, like an interesting one. And things that people don't know about. But I'm lazy as shit at times. And I never wanted to write it myself. So thank God I had an actual writer. And I could just talk to them on the phone and be like, hey, this is what happened then. Because otherwise, I, I, I never would have done it. I, I truly never would have done it. But I'm glad it's there. Um, a lot of things in there about my, my birth mom uh, and her addictions and her just being a piece of shit. And about my late brother. And about my upbringing about my dad being so supportive and being the rock, not Dwayne, uh, that I needed. And me relationship wise with females and with, with girlfriends and that being a piece of shit, but now admitting it, writing that. And I said it kind of during the interviews, like, 
it was the most freeing thing. I talked about my grandpa, who was my biggest supporter in life. He was my number one fan. And the chapter about him, having to do the audiobook version of it, I bet you I told the person that was producing and recording it 10 or 12 times. I apologize because I was just bawling the whole time. This is, I get to let every emotion out about my relationship with my grandpa and how much I love him and how much he meant to me. It was the weirdest version of self-therapy ever. I've never went to therapy in my life, but that was the most. That must have been so hard to get through the recording of the audiobook version of it. That must have been rough. Like I talk about how if my birth mom passes away, I don't think I'm going to go to her funeral because she's not my mom. I got, I like a cool thing last year. Or was it last year? Yeah. Last year, the year before COVID all runs together as we know. I got adopted as an adult. Wait, what? I did not know that. My stepmom, like we filed the paperwork. And so I asked her on Mother's Day to be my mom and she didn't get it. Like I wrote her this happy Mother's Day card and I included like the shit we needed to fill out in there. Like you see on all these Facebook things, but from the parent, you see them. Uh, I did it as the child or as the 35 year old child, as I keep saying. And we went to the courthouse and it was amazing. It's almost like a brand new life. It's one of the coolest like adult things I've done. You know, life is always like growing and evolving and things. And she's been your mom since you were 13. But to like have this new like rejuvenated relationship with her and to make it official and legal. And nothing's changed, but I just call her like and I've called her mom probably since Landon's been born. But now, like, calling her mom, like, I called her mom and my sister-in-law heard me call her mom. She goes, you just called her mom. I said, yeah, she is, especially legally now. And she just, we started laughing. It was just one of those things where now it's real. And now it's not just me calling her that so my kid doesn't get confused. Oh, that's so cool. That's so sweet. Yeah, I, I'm going to listen to the audiobook version of this. I don't do audiobook versions very often, but I feel like I want to hear you telling these stories. I'm so glad I did it because I originally was like back and forth on it. After doing it, I was like, man, I'm so glad I did it because I just thought of like Morgan Freeman, his voice telling my story. Well, I mean, if you could have got Morgan Freeman, that would have been a nice added bonus, but. <laughs> yeah, if, if you would have been like really impressed with how I said, fuck Peter Dinklage and you'd be like, hey, Dylan, I want to do your story. I was just going to say, you know, who's not doing it is Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> well, dude, it's been so nice getting to catch up Thank with you. you to see your face and just see all the things that you're doing right now. I, I love being able to have you on here and just have a little chit chat with my buddy. Thank you. And you know what? And I'm sure you hear it all the time. You are the absolutely same human throughout knowing you and watching you from afar and this, just not trying to be someone, not trying to be anyone but you. And now you're an amazing mom and you love being a mom and you're just awesome. Like you've always just been so positive and fun loving and just positive spirited. I I love it. You're a good egg, you. That was very nice. Thank you very much. Well, we'll have to have you back on again because honestly, there's so much stuff at the tail end of this that I wanted to really unpeel. Yeah. If you ever do like a random like party show where we're just sitting back telling stories over boxed wine 
and shitty booze, <laughs> I would love I, I think we're onto something. Great. I think like the night before Thanksgiving kind of show. You could have like, what if we did like campfire tales? That would be amazing. We'd have like a big bonfire and a bunch of like stiff cocktails and we just told some stories. Or even a virtual, I mean, if we want to, if we want to get it together because uh, we're just busy, a virtual one where we just in the middle of the screen here, we just put a shitty bonfire. <laughs> we can just put on the fire a uh, fireplace app. Oh my god! Have Emilio <laughs> on his screen just put the fire the, the 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 fireplace thing that people say they put on during the holidays, but they never fucking do. And just do that, and then like randomly it turns into the aquarium at times, and we just get what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. The screensaver just starts the bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really fun idea. I love that. That would be like an hours long episode of everyone just like rehashing some tales, but I'm in. Yes. And nothing would really get talked about. It would be it would be someone starting the story and someone interrupting it with their version or their part about that person. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. We'd all just take a nice nap. (laughs) Sleepy time with Renee. Uh, Dylan, thank you so much. So good to see you. Thanks for hanging with me, Dylan. Come back on the show anytime. Truly, I would love to do another episode with him to talk more about the stuff that's in his book. There's just so many more nuggets in there. I mean, shit, he drops it on me that asking his stepmom to be his adopted mother, his like real mom, like, man, the guy's just lived a really cool life. You think of like the odds stacked against him to be able to do the things that he's been able to do. And damn, if he's not checked off so many bucket list things, it's so, so cool. All right, guys, you know what to do. Uh, I'm sure you already follow Dylan. Do all those things. Subscribe to the YouTube channel because that's gonna, this uh, interview will, of course, live on there. If you guys want to watch the interviews, they are all up on there. There's always tons of content. Emilio is the content king and James as well. These guys are just uh, helping with the video side of things so much and they're the best. Uh, And I really appreciate it. So hopefully you guys can go on there and check it all out and get a little visual aid to the audio side of things. All right, I'm out of here. This has been The Sessions. Bye.